Um, all right. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to I See Dead Movies. This is episode four. Already it happened so fast. I cannot tell you guys, and I know I've probably said it before, how much fun I'm having doing this. It is so fun to just watch movies I have no excuse to watch for a podcast that barely anyone's listening to on a show that is built to not get new audience members because we're talking about unpopular old 90s or VOD movies that nobody talks about anymore. And I'm not saying I don't want people to listen. I'm just saying it's freeing for it not to matter. You know, it's fun to talk about these movies, not for an algorithm or not because you're horny for unsatiable, uninsatiable amounts of greed. Just for fun, you know, just for good times. And I'm kidding. I love doing the other stuff too, but this is really fun. These movies that otherwise we would not talk about. And that's why I love doing the Patreon reviews too that you guys request because it's just like whatever movie you guys pick and the Patreon, uh, Jay and I, or just me, will do a review of. And it's just stuff we wouldn't usually talk about on the channel. So it's really fun. It's exciting. And uh, it's a good time to be had in the pants. So I hope you guys are enjoying this show four episodes deep and. Just enjoying the ever-loving fuck shits out of it. We'll get into it quickly today because, and by the way, on the Patreon, if you want a video version of this, if you're not watching it uh, on the Patreon, um, on our Patreon, there is the video version of this if you're listening to it on the podcast or whatever. But check that out in the link below. You get that. You get uh, autographed pictures. You get personalized reviews. You get a personalized video done by one of the characters that Jerry I play in our video from Loomis to Leatherface to wherever you ask for. You get uh, a little Wham! membership card that looks like the old school Blockbuster video rental card with your name on it. And uh, you get access to hundreds of extra videos and almost 100 full movie commentaries. So that being said, last week we only did two movies and we still went like an hour long. Uh, but this week I, I, I thought that was going to fit better. I thought at first I was like, hey, that, that works better. But this week I came across a really, really interesting one and it had to be done, Saya. The Measures movies. For some reason, these movies, I've always noticed them in passing and i've never stopped to watch a single one of them and i've just maybe not maybe i just didn't interest me enough or whatever i don't know it's just one of those things you notice in the in the blockbuster walking around back in the day like you remember all the cool old horror movie covers for stuff that either you weren't allowed to watch or never just never saw i remember those and i remember these for some reason just random action movie covers or whatnot that sticks with you but all of these movies have the weirdest amount of shit in common and they have nothing to do with each other it's not a that's the one thing we don't do on the show we say it's got to be semi-obscure movies no franchise movies no sequels no superhero movies it's got to be it's why it's called i see dead movies because we just do random ass movies but uh they're not a franchise they have nothing technically to do with each other but they are all somehow related in the fact that one movie is called extreme measures um one movie is called Desperate Measures, which came out in 1998. Uh, Extreme came out in 96, I believe. Desperate Measures came out in 1998. And Extraordinary Measures came out in 2010, I want to say. Um, they all have two leading men, both on the cover on opposite sides of the DVD or VHS, respectively. They all have measures in the title, and they're all involving medical drama. Now, they're not, that's not what the movies are. They just involve medical drama in them. The only one that's a pure medical drama would be Extraordinary Measures. Uh, but we'll get into each of them. And one features Michael Keaton versus Andy Garcia. One features Brendan Fraser teaming up with Harrison Ford. And then one features Hugh Grant up against Gene Hackman. They all just have so much in common, like just the way that they're promoted, all that shit. It's so weird. And they're all just like faintly went by like a fart in the night, hit wide release theaters. I don't think any of them did too well. So we watched them all. God damn it. By the way, I have a new Starbucks drink. I just found it today. It is flat white. It's just called a flat white. You get it with non-fat milk if you're if you're fat like me. And... It's fucking delicious, man. Try it. If you're a Starbucks Agen, Starbucks Agen. I can't handle the super sweet shit, but black coffee from there just tastes like poop. Flat white's where it at, where it is at. Excuse me. <laughs> um, anyways, let's start. Desperate Measures, 1998. I'm trying to get inside my head, Frank. I killed Boom Boom. I cannot make myself feel bad about it. My son has leukemia. He will die without a bone marrow transplant. And somehow, I've been identified as a compatible donor for your son. 
You son of a bitch! You hurt my son of a bitch! Get off! You want to test my resolve, Frank? My willingness to go the limit. You want to find out where you stop and I begin. This movie is an R-rated film that comes in in an hour and 40 minutes long. I had to rent this, I believe. Uh, you may be able to find it somewhere. I did have to rent it on Vudu. But the plot synopsis from IMDb says that Frank Connor is an honest police officer who desperately needs to save his son's life. However, after losing hope, he finds out that a criminal, Peter McCabe, in jail is his only savior. That does not begin to cover this movie at all which is directed by barbaret barbet barbe schroeder sounds like a wide receiver from 1990s nfl barbe schroeder schrader schroeder who's done some 90s bangers man is he did murders by numbers i think that's the one with sandra bullock in it uh he directed this one desperate measures obviously he directed kiss of death you guys that's that would be a good one for this podcast kiss of death would be a really good one for this podcast old school David Caruso versus Psycho Super Muscles serial killer Nicolas Cage, 1995. I am saving that one because that would be a really fun one for this pod- podcast. He also did Single White Female, which I think I saw as a child, weirdly enough. But it's written by David Glass, who wrote this. He wrote Kiss the Girls. He wrote that and Walking Tall, the one with the rock in it. <laughs> it's a weird, weird little imdb profile that guy has in a movie called in the time of butterflies but yeah it stars fucking michael keaton man and andy garcia so andy garcia is the cop right and the movie starts out with like one of those old school fun 90s intros like it's him and his buddy who happens to be motherfucking dokes from dexter you know surprise motherfucker french fries motherfucker Happens to be Dokes is his partner, and they break in this. They're breaking in the FBI headquarters, and he's like, "I got it, I got it." So basically, his son needs a bone marrow transplant, and you're gonna find so many similarities between this and the other movies we talk about. It's fucking weird, you guys. Super fucking weird. But his son desperately needs a bone marrow transplant, and they have to hack in. He's a cop, but they have to hack into the FBI headquarters to find somebody who is a match and there's only one match apparently in the whole wide world and that match is michael keaton's character who is on fucking death row for murder so this cop has to go to this murderer who's murdered several people played by michael keaton with like this weird southern accent which i don't understand why they felt the need to throw the southern accent in there just let michael keaton do his i'm batman voice and it works out great but either way it's not that bad it works out great he comes out there, they wheel him out there, and he looks like uh he looks like motherfucking Steve Buscemi in Con Air. Like he has everything but the mouth plate on. He's got like the he's seated in the seat, like he's super double dangerous. And he's talking to him, and Michael Keaton's like, Well, my answer's no. <laughs> Why would I do that? You know, he's like, I'm not gonna do it for you. And then he ends up agreeing to do it, but he has some wishes. He wants from Andy Garcia if he's gonna save his kid. First, he wants to meet his kid. So he makes Andy Garcia bring his kid in there and sit alone with him in this room while he's like, you can call me Uncle Charlie. <laughs> the kid's like, yeah, but you're not my uncle, you fucking weirdo. But he agrees to do it if he gives him his cigarettes, privileges back, he puts him back in general pop, and uh, has us all these rules. And he's like, you know, the warden's never going to let you do this stuff. I don't know why it sounds like Beetlejuice for me, but, I mean, obviously Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice, but I promise he, he doesn't do that voice here. It's just me being terrible at accents. but. Anyways, he devises, he goes to the the library. He wants his library privileges back. He goes to the library, and it's this old-school internet. Like, this movie, again, 1998, the internet's barely in its infancy stages. Like, AOL, you're still getting discs in the mail. It's still doing the shit when it signs you in. But he's in there, and he's supposed to be playing, like, chess. And the security guard's looking at him, and he's like, but he's sneaking off of chess every once in a while. Because this prison that he's in used to be a gigantic church from like the 40s or some shit. So many details I'm probably getting wrong here. But he's looking up like the ventilation shafts and shit like that that he found on like Web 2.0's second website. But he, the way he plans his escape is just so smart. And that's what happens. Like they bring this big – they do this big deal. Andy Garcia's character has to go and get the governor to to accept this proposal where they're going to let this guy – transfer bone marrow to his kid even though he's on death row and 
there's all these touching scenes between Andy Garcia and his kid. The only problem is that he is just way too kissy on the child. Like I know that we're trying to promote um, a very emotional relationship between Andy Garcia and his son in this movie so that you really feel it. And you do, you do feel it because like, you know, it's a kid and you understand where he's coming from as a dad. And they did a pretty good job of that. I just kind of wish that they would have Andy Garcia kiss the child less. Uh, there's that one point where he kisses the child's head and I'm pretty sure there was tongue, but apart from that, it's fine. I'm sure it's just, you know, uh, I don't, you know, yeah, I just, you know, I don't want to talk about that anymore. It's just really fucking weird. Anyway, um, he devises this huge plan to escape and it's actually really, it's probably unbelievable, but it's pretty cool to watch him work this out. He gets a guy to Michael Keaton gets this guy to, give him this stuff that's like the antidote to what they put you under when they give you surgery. I can't think of the name of it. Anastasia. <laughs> Anastasia. Uh, but the way he does it is he takes floss and he ties it to this little vial in the bottle. And he, he ties the, the floss to his tooth and then swallows the vial, which is a pretty big fucking vial, by the way. And they show him just kind of like tough it out and swallow it. And there's a running theme to this movie. And the running theme to the movie is determination. And Michael Keaton's character even says that a couple times in this movie because the movie sort of looks up to Michael Keaton. It's very weird. He kills a lot of people in this. He's out for himself. He's obviously going to pretend to do this transplant for this kid or uh, this uh, yeah, transplant, not transplant, but whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Um, he's going to pretend to be the donor for this kid, but he's just using it to escape. And obviously the kid's going to die when he does escape. So he's a giant piece of shit. The movie seems to think he's pretty fucking rad, though. And, like, it's Michael Keaton, so he is a badass, so I kind of get it. But he has this whole scene where he swallows the vial. And, like I said, the running theme of the movie is determination. Because Michael Keaton really respects, this character really respects uh, determination in people. And that's Andy Garcia's whole thing. Because what he ends up going through to save his son's life is fucking insane. And it's admirable. And I kind of like that running theme to the movie. It's kind of neat. But... This plan he devises is crazy, so they're all watching. It kind of looks like the scene in Captain America when they're giving him the juice. Everybody's watching. Andy Garcia's there. He's upstairs watching through a window. And he takes the – he takes the before this happens, Keaton's character takes the little bit out of the lighter, uh, out of a lighter from his smoking privileges, and sticks it under his thumb so that he can start a fire like that. And then when they give him the, the anesthesia, anesthesia, and put him under he you see him like push up the vial into his throat and then bite it and chew the glass and swallow the glass so that that drug goes into him his system and he doesn't go to sleep and then he wakes up and he like strikes his thumb and uses one of the 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 chemical shooting things whatever the things that they got there and he just he basically fucking makes his own flamethrower i don't know you have to watch the movie i don't know what all these tools are called but he makes his own flamethrower and he escapes and now he's on the loose in this hospital meanwhile in the same hospital that the kid's in and the kid's so sick that if he catches a cold he'll fucking die so he's in this like one of those uh things that they like the, he's got the plastic around his bed or whatever and doke's character is supposed to be watching him and this guy's on the loose and the 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 lady that the doctor that's supposed to do it's played by Marsha gay harden who you'll remember as the fucking bitch from the mist the psycho bible chick who wanted to murder everybody in the name of god and I only say that because that song was running up that hill. I made a deal with God. Uh, she played that psycho lady, but definitely, you know, I mean, she has that role down. But I got to say, Marsha Gay Harden was a fucking looker in, in the 90s. I'm not saying she's not now. I just can't help but picture her as the Miss Lady. Not anymore. She was goddamn gorgeous in this movie. So good for her. But she plays the doctor. And then we jump on this huge game of back and forth where... Michael Keaton's character's in the hospital and he's having to do everything he can to escape the cops and everybody. And he's using how he's fucking, he's a smart motherfucker and he's, he's setting fires. He's doing all this crazy shit. He ends up with this crazy over elaborate plan to take over the entire hospital. Uh, and the, the, then the prison and there's this fuck there. There's, there's a whole lot happening in this movie. I mean, there was a lot going on. Like I said, there's a whole prison situation. There's a whole hospital situation. There's, there's Andy Garcia. There's his kid. There's the doctor. There's a whole lot at play at once. And the only big problem I have with the movie is that it just becomes totally unbelievable. One set piece after another set piece. 
of this this could never possibly happen andy garcia ends up going rogue like fucking ethan hunt in a mission impossible movie because eventually brian cox who's in this movie and he's awesome and everything he's his captain he's like how many people have to die so that your son can live but basically all these cops he's killed multiple cops at this point trying to get away and all these cops want him fucking dead but if he dies basically andy garcia's son son dies so therein lies the interesting point of the movie he ends up teaming up basically with keaton's character who's trying to escape just to keep him alive and there's these crazy intense scenes where like michael keaton there's a walkway between the two buildings and michael keaton has set a propane tank in there and he gets the cops to chase him down through there so that he can blow it and like explode this breezeway and kill all the cops inside of it and andy garcia's character has to talk them out of there even though he's on the run now and a fugitive as well and blow it up and it's a really cool action set piece that takes place when they explode this thing and it falls down on the city that looked badass the practical effects were really cool that was a well done ass scene and there's some good action scenes throughout the movie it's just it's a little unbelievable like it's very very fucking oceans 13 by the end of it when you watch keaton's character go through the shit he goes through to escape you're like there's just no fucking way i mean maybe the first thing the second thing but the 17th set piece where you have to get out of this crazy fucking situation. And he's basically a goddamn superhero at some point in the movie. So that kind of takes you out a little bit. You can only suspend your belief so much, but it's really cool how it ends up once they escape the hospital finally, because eventually you kind of get sick of the whole thing. It's like this back and forth, just nonstop, but you do appreciate the diehard level of psychoticness that Andy Garcia's character is willing to go through because he will not let his son die. And his son even says at one point, he was like, you, you, you know, because he ends up, Keaton ends up kidnapping his son, using him as a hostage for a minute. And the kid's like, it doesn't matter what you do to me anyway. I'm fucking dead. So fuck you, asshole. And he's like, then why is your dad doing all this stuff to save you? And he's like, because he just can't accept it. And then they show Andy Garcia just like going through hell, trying to get to his son and trying to trying to keep the cops from killing Michael Keaton's character but also not killing him, but also he has to catch him. And basically he has to fucking chloroform him uh, to get him back on the table and then force him to do a surgery. And who knows that they would even let that happen at that point anyway. So it's a super stressful movie in that aspect. And you totally get where he's coming from. And I love the determination aspect and the diehard aspect. And then when they escape the hospital, finally, it's just Keaton on the run and Andy Garcia's character chasing him. And there's a badass chase scene on the interstate that's that's pretty overlooked, I think. I thought it was pretty cool the way they did it. And then they end up on this bridge, and he has to pretend he's somebody else to get them to raise the bridge. So it's just him and Keaton alone on this bridge that's going way up in the middle of the city. And it's just a really cool set piece. It's a really cool shot. And basically what ends up happening is he has to... Um, Keaton's like, well, if I, he's like, I don't, I'm definitely not going back. He was like, so I will his whole thing is I'll kill myself. Even if you capture me, I'll just kill myself because I'm not going back to jail. So, but he has to keep him alive. So he shoots him in the leg to try to keep him from killing himself, but he jumps anyway. And then Andy Garcia's character jumps as well. And then he captures him and they put him in the, um, they, they, they do the fucking transplant all works out well. And then at the very end of the movie, it's so funny because he's sitting there and, and Keaton's like, how's the kid? Did the kid make it? And the security guard watching him is like, yeah, he did. And he's like, so I can die now. I can go then. I can leave. And the and the cop's like, uh, well, you're a pretty tough guy. You'll make it. And he and then he pulls out his gun. He shows that while the cop was leaned over, he grabbed his gun. He's like, I don't remember exactly what he said. He said something like, yeah, I know. Or where's your car or something like that. And then the movie ends. So basically... I get why it wasn't a more loved movie because it's just kind of fucking nuts. There's no way in shit biscuits that he would have gotten out of that situation, number one, and that that all would have worked out with just like a happy-go-lucky buttercream gang ending. But also, they kind of made the bad guy out to be like a good guy. And I get it because Keaton's so fucking badass. But this is also a man who we watched mur murder, murder, murder multiple police. So it's kind of just fucking weird to watch. But that being said, this could be my favorite of the three because I just I love old school action-esque movies michael keaton has a really cool role in this just a very strange michael keaton role for him to be playing where he's the bad guy but he just he has some cool one-liners and he does some cool shit and he, you tell he had fun doing it the the southern accent doesn't really fit but 
Yeah, he was a badass in this movie, man. Andy Garcia is always the same. Like, I feel like Andy Garcia, I, I like him as an actor, but he's always just seems like the same dude. And he was really good in this. Very Johnny Depp in Nick of Time. You know, kind of the same story, but he was kind of that sort of character here. But I liked him a lot as well in this. And I thought the movie was really good cast. I thought the action set pieces were done really well. The only just big old dick in the otherwise delicious sweet potato pie is i don't know why i went with any of those references just now by the way i've never had a dick in a sweet potato pie but i would imagine it would ruin it unless you're a fan of dick of which i'm not um personally never had it but you know what we're going on a different tour here uh we'll <laughs> talk about the movie i'm gonna give desperate measures a solid 6.5 i enjoyed it old school 90s sort of corny but fun action movie with a good good ass cast and uh michael keaton fucking rules man so that's one down the hatch 1998's desperate measures if you're into 90s thrillers and and old school die hard-esque kind of action movies totally go see it reminds me of john q if you've never seen john q that movie rules too the one where uh denzel washington can't afford his son's heart transplant so he has to basically take the whole hospital hostage pretty fucking awesome movie and it reminds me of that for sure. All these kind of do in their own weird way. So let's take a look and see what Rotten Tomatoes has to say about this movie. I imagine it was not received well because it was very Hollywood-esque for that time. Uh, the kind of thing that critics in the paper back then would like, oh, this is just Hollywood action schlock. Desperate measures. Enhance. There was a 2013 one? That's not about this. 2011, there was a Desperate Measures. All right, so this says it was 1997, by the way. IMDb said 98. 19% on the tomato meter. Only a 37% audience score. So the audience disagrees, too. It says, times aren't desperate enough for this lame thriller to be called for. Damn, that's the synopsis. Fuck. They're not fucking pulling any punches. Uh, there's a bunch of just non-reviews. This one from 2009, Desperate Measures. is a drawn-out and purely disposable suspense thriller. Sure. Uh, positive review. Primarily, the movie works as a showcase for Garcia and Keaton. Totally agree, Rob Gonzalez from Rob's Movie Vault. And uh, Roger Ebert reviewed this back in 2000 and said, the movie would rather jolly along an, an action audience than play fair with its material. And so we're treated to the standard obligatory bankrupt action dreck, kinetic energy on autopilot. Damn, he had a way with words. And I don't disagree with him, even though I like the movie. Desperate Messers has recovered its momentum to ultimately confirm its place as an erratically paced yet predominantly entertaining thriller. I'd agree with that as well. And then Alex Sandal with the fucking Shakespearean review of the year just says, a waste of time. <laughs> I disagree, Alex. I thought it was a, it was a decent enough time. Just to watch Keaton play that fucking role was enough for me to get into it. And like I said, that bridge scene is badass if you're into practical explosions and effects. So moving on. Moving on, I said, good sir. Let's go to extraordinary measures. Extra. What's the difference between ordinary and extraordinary? Just that little bit extra. Apparently. Figure any dude in a business suit can help me raise venture capital and run the company, but who's gonna be half as motivated as a dad who's trying to save his own kids? We push ourselves, we work around the clock. I already work around the clock! Great! Cure diseases in theory, but never help a single human being in reality. I can't cure your kids, you know that, but I think I can save their lives. Extraordinary measures. I'm looking these up as we go so that we can experience fun game of IMDb tagged together. So I just watched this one this morning. This is interesting because Brendan Fraser is making a comeback, right, with the whale and all that. But this was back in 2010. This was kind of, I think, in the no man's land of his career. Uh, let's see when it was for Fraser. As we look at it, when he was going through all that shit, broke his back during the mummy, had all that shit with his wife. Dude just got ran through the gamut, and I feel terrible for him. That's why it's so nice to see him have this resurgence. Um, uh, Yeah, this was in a strange time. So, yeah, what a weird time. There was The Mummy Returns was in 2001. A uh, whole lot of stuff. Journey to the Center of the Earth, 2008. And then Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, The Mummy, was 2008 as well. This was two years later, um, right before 
right before you really didn't see anything big that he was in for quite a while. So this is right towards the end of his initial big run. Um, 2010, it was a PG movie. Now, this is the only one that really doesn't... The other two are action, thriller, horror. This is a straight-up drama, uh, and it's a medical drama. But, you know, again, two dudes on the cover, two big name measures in the title. It's a, It surrounds a medical plot. All that stuff is still intact. Tom Vaughn was the director of this. He also directed... A bunch of shit that I've never heard of. He directed What Happens in Vegas, that movie with uh, the kid from that 70s show. Fuck. Ashton Kutcher. He directed some episodes of Big Love, does a lot of TV. Um, yeah, that's pretty much The Flight Attendant, stuff like that. A lot of stuff I don't watch, to be honest with you. So, And it was based on the book The Cure, how a father raised $100 million and bucked the medical establishment in a quest to save his children, which is the longest title since... Don't drink your juice in the hood or whatever the fuck it was. Don't be menaced to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Two totally different movies. But it stars Brendan Fraser, stars Harrison Ford, stars Carrie Russell in it. Uh, by the way, Carrie Russell ruled in Dark Skies. Awesome alien movie. So the IMDb plot for this, I'm going to guess they're probably going to nail it pretty easily. A drama centered on the efforts of John and Aileen Crowley to find a researcher who might have a cure for their two children's rare genetic disorder. Yeah. So basically, they have this thing called Pompe disease. Brendan Fraser and his wife, Carrie Russell, have this disease. Or their, their two children have this disease called Pompe disease, which of which immediately renders them they're in a wheelchair. And but it's also enlarging their organs and it has to do with the sugar in your body, a gland or something. I'm not going to get technical with it, but the, the just overgrows and it just basically kills kids at a very young age if they have this disease. And I don't know how true of a story it is. Like I said, it's based on a book. So I imagine there's definitely based on a true story ish type of thing going on with this. That's one thing I bet is in the trivia section on here. It doesn't say anything about it being a. Okay, it says, the story of the real John Crowley himself is very interesting. He attended the U.S. Naval Academy and has degrees from blibbity blah, dedicated his life to work in the health field, seeking remedies for rare diseases, co-founded a biotech company, uh, his charitable and philanthrop philanthropic work is widespread. And uh, yeah, so he's a pretty awesome fucking dude. So I'm going to guess that most of this is true. But anyways, yeah, so they have these two kids. And he's a he's a marketing dude. Or he, he's one of the corporate things. It's kind of the same plot to Daddy Daycare, <laughs> weird fucking way, but just a lot more depressing. So his daughter has this attack. It seems like death is imminent for his kids, and he's he's not a medical dude. You know, he's he's a he's a corporate CEO type dude, not CEO, but he works. Uh, he's a suit. You know what I mean? Um, but he hears about this this crazy doctor who is a recluse and who has these crazy theories and he keeps calling him and reaching out to him. And this doctor is Harrison Ford. Now Harrison Ford's character is a recluse and he is an antisocial motherfucker in this movie. Like he likes to listen to music extremely loud and just work alone. And he does not get along with people. And he's a real straight shooter. He's a curmudgeon. He's basically what Harrison Ford in every interview we've ever seen him in, only he also has this extreme antisocial, like almost Tourette's where he just like, he's rude as shit and he yells at people and he's just very, 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 very eccentric in like an angry way, like a Harrison Ford slash Clint Eastwood, Gran Torino sort of way for a PG movie. So that's kind of his character. So Brandon Fraser reaches out to him and he's like, yeah, he's like, I have what I think would help fix Pompeii and these kids and at least would be the start of it and that would save lives but I don't have enough money for clinical trials and then Brendan Fraser's uh, kid almost dies and he decides fuck it he's like I'm gonna uh, he reaches out to him they meet in a bar they're talking about it and Harrison Ford's being a huge dick to him but he doesn't care he's like you know what I just I just decided to quit my fucking job and become the to give you the grant for the research you need so I'm going to stop everything I'm doing. And it was very interesting how they did it too. Cause when he's talking to his wife and they're having this conversation, he's like, look, I could do one of two things. I could stop now and I could just be helpless and I could spend the time. I think I have left with my kids. Cause at one point they said each kid has like probably under a year left to live. 
And he says, uh, and that stuff's really hard to watch, especially if you're a parent. You know what I mean? Like that, that shit was hard for me to watch because that's like your biggest fear with your kids, you know? And there's several scenes like that where these kids are in the hospital. And there's one point where a doctor even says, he's like, he's like, you know, maybe, maybe look at this. The, the, there was the, this attack and he was like, they're probably not going to make it through or the kid's probably not going to make it through. And he's like, maybe look at this as a blessing. It's like, I'm really sorry, but maybe try to look at it as a blessing. At least she won't be in pain anymore. And then the kid makes it through and Brendan Fraser's like, uh, he's like, I'm really optimistic. And then Brendan Fraser's like, yeah, I guess we really dodged that blessing, huh? And just little shit like that, that just really infuriates you and makes you crazy uh, for these parents. But he's like, I could, I could stop and I could just let life take its course and I could spend as much time with them over the next year as possible, or I could try to do something about this. And this guy says that he may be able to figure it out. Will he figure it out in time for my kids? I don't know. But I could do that, or I could work around the clock and obsess and race the clock and spend every dime we have and take every risk in the world to see if I could save my kids and and basically not spend any time with them. So if they die, it's like, not only did they die, did I fail, but also I didn't spend any of this last year with them. So that's a hard thing to think about. And you really put yourself in his shoes. And Brent Fraser's great in the movie. He really is. He has to do some really emotional stuff. And uh, he does a great job of it. Harrison Ford's really good in the movie, playing basically Harrison Ford <laughs> on crack. Um, but the way that they do this whole thing is... It, it, they involve you in the business deals because Brendan Fraser has to be the business guy. Harrison Ford is the scientist dude. And a, another movie also about like straight up determination because Brendan Fraser just will not take no for an answer. And he almost fucks things up several times because he won't take no for an answer. And Harrison Ford's impossible to work with. And the movie's just, it's touching at times. It does get a little too Hallmark at times, especially the end where they're like telling you where everybody's at today and they're doing the, you know, it's just sometimes it's sort of corny and sort of Hallmark or Bible networky. They don't go into that, that whole aspect, but uh, it does get a little hokey at times and a little bit, Magoo. but apart from that, no, it's, it's a touching movie, man. And it's, it's a, it's a movie about doing everything you can do to, to save your kids. Just like desperate measures was another tie that these movies have together with just really good acting in it. So I enjoyed it for what it was not a movie I'd ever watch again, but it's definitely not something that, that I sneer my nose at whatsoever. I'd probably give this one about a six. I mean, it's a little, it's a little bit long in the tooth and it's a little, again, just Magoo and kind of like fluffy. I don't know. Is that what I'm saying? I mean, it's hard when you're talking about dying kids, like there's some parts that really cut through and there's a couple parts that might make you just a little bit teary. Like when, him and Harrison Ford start to become friends finally at the very end. And you think about all the stuff that they went through in the movie and you feel so bad for the kids, but uh, yeah, just a decent little kind of bubblegum movie with some really, really dark material in it. That's, and honestly, they don't really go there with it. They don't really go there with it, but fuck pharmaceutical companies are pieces of shit when they have to raise all this money and like all these kids are fucking dying. And they're talking about like, yeah, but what's the return on investment and shit like that? And the movie kind of ho-hums through it, but it makes you think when you're watching it. You're like, God, what immiserable, insufferable cunts that I hope burn in hell run these businesses. Not not the one where they created this, but like the businesses that, you know, are willing to let kids die uh, if they don't get enough money on their investment back and shit like that. And like raise these prices and high. You've heard the prices of insulin and all that bullshit like that. It really pisses you off when it comes down to that. Um, but I didn't say too much about what goes on in this movie because there's some real pitfalls. There's some stuff that happens. Like when you think things are going to get good, something really scary happens. And there's a little bit of a ride. So I recommend watching it. I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, if you're into med- medical dramas and you want to see how they came up with something that really helped, you know, people with this disease, then uh, it's, it's uh, one of those movies that I definitely would recommend you check out. Definitely not the type of movie I typically watch, but I did enjoy it. Oh, man, there's a lot of talking going on for my fat throat. Eventually, what we'll do on the show, by the way, is I'm going to start bringing on friends and uh, and having somebody else do it with me. I feel like that would be really fun to do. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And then maybe people who like this can hear other people instead of my blibber blabbering. And I can stop and, and have a drink of coffee without wanting to shit myself. Look at that. I just shit myself. So the last movie in the trilogy of the Measures films is going to be... Oh, wait. Let's check out... We forgot to check out Extraordinary Measures on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I'm going to guess 65% fresh. 
That's what I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess that nobody really loved it, but that they just were like, it's a nice, nice little heart or something like that. Ooh, fuck, I was wrong right in the ass. Um, 28% rotten on the tomato meter, 53% audience score. Apparently, I'm just a really half glasses half full type of guy. But it says Harrison Ford still retains enough of his old movie star magic to ramp up on the electricity a bit when he's on screen. But this only makes you want to see him do something that makes better use of his gifts. Brendan Fraser just seems to grow bigger over the blend. I'm not going to finish it. Um, Ian Freer said soapy and unemotional. It was soapy. That's a really good way to put it. This makes a hash of an interesting true story. Uh, Trevor Johnson says moderately illuminating in parts, but the cliches of cinematic suffering tend to overwhelm it. A disappointedly ordinary film. Yeah, I guess it's weird because when you go back and read these reviews, it was like when the movie was advertised and they're telling you it's this dramatic thing and they're they're selling it in the trailers and people probably thought it was going to be something great. I saw it, read about the cover. Five minutes in, as soon as I heard the first music, I was like, soapy, we're going for a buttercream gang type Magoo type thing here. But, you know, I guess, and I kind of remember the marketing on this one. I kind of remember the marketing as like a, down to the wire thriller <laughs> and there's a couple little moments where they try to get a little spicy with it you know but i get why it was it was disapproved as it came out it's nothing great but it's nothing hateable by any means and this is at the end like when harrison ford was still like fuck harrison ford's in a movie everybody kids get your shit harrison ford's in a movie i'm not saying he's not a big star now but it was it was different in the early 2000s and and especially before that but what was the other one? Desperate. We've got desperate measures. We've got extraordinary measures. And now we've got extreme measures. Yes. Extreme measures. Which this one I did see marketed for a bunch. And I was like, yeah, I'm not the biggest Hugh Grant guy. I did love nine months. He ruled in nine months. And I've never been a Gene Hackman dude. Like I can watch him and appreciate him on screen for what an actor he is. I love his performances. But I'm not a Gene Hackman guy. He's not a guy who I go see a movie for. I know that seems weird. And I think it's because he reminds me of my dad when he was being kind of a dick. Like when my dad was like being a smart ass. It's kind of reminded me of Gene Hackman. Maybe that's kind of what it was. And I've always hated his Lex Luthor. I know people probably hate me for that. But anyway, he just seems like that high school football coach that was just like really dismissive to everyone else. Or like a principal who was a jerk. Or like a guy who ran a company you worked at that was just kind of an asshole. Just really dismissive type human being. Which is why he plays good in these roles. But anyways, extreme measures. They're taking people, they're hijacking them from the hospital and using them for some kind of research. Please pick up this whole thing. It's huge. Do you think we're keeping ourselves healthy so you can kill us one by one? I'm on my own. I am not killing anyone. What happened to you? I can prove this whole thing now, Jay. Come on, Dad, move it! How'd you know I was a doctor? To do the work, you need human subjects, and most of them will die. I'm doing medicine here no one's ever dreamed of. You're killing people. Helen hasn't walked for 12 years. I can cure her, and everyone like her. 1996, the first of these three Measures movies to come out, directed by Michael Apted. Let's see what else Michael Apted did. Unfortunately, he did pass away just recently in 2021. He directed some wild stuff. Masters of Sex. He directed some episodes of Ray Donovan. He directed Chasing Mavericks, which is a surfboard movie with Gerard Butler, if I remember correctly. That was a, that was a half-decent movie. Uh, he directed some episodes of Rome, the movie Enough with Jennifer Lopez. The World is Not Enough. He directed one of the Brosnan Bonds. The world is not enough. Uh, one of the not great ones, but still, that's pretty fucking cool. And um, yeah, all right, man. So that is the director, and the writers were Michael Palmer wrote the book, which is based on Tony fucking Gilroy wrote the screenplay to this. How about that happy horse shit? Tony Gilroy, who just did Nightcrawler, did Michael Clayton, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story um house of cards that dude's written some shit so tony gilroy huge fucking name in the writing community and this is a crime drama mystery i would throw in a little pinch of horror i, I yeah i'd actually 
it's fair enough you can call this a semi-horror movie. So the IMDb plotline says, a young doctor confronts a famous colleague when he learns about the true methods of his work. God damn, that's an awful description of this fucking movie. Horrible, terrible, no good, very bad. In this movie, starring Hugh Grant, Gene Hackman, and Sarah Jessica Parker, who I've also never liked, so I see why I never wanted to watch this movie. Just something about her face I always just never liked. I don't know what it is. Anyways, she was fine in this, by the way. So in this one, and there's a bunch of other people in this too, from Bill Nunn, whose face you'll know when you see it, uh, Paul Gilfoyle, Gil- 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 and uh, David Morse is in this movie, which David Morse plays like the perfect, just like, he's a hitman, but he's got a deeper, tender, emotional side. But he also looks like he likes to cut off people's butt cheeks and, you know, lick them. I don't know. He looks like he does some weird sexual stuff but it's also like very deep and emotional, but also a huge scary hitman. And that's exactly the character he plays in this. I mean, they don't show him doing weird butt stuff, but at one point he's sitting like rubbing a picture of Jesus before he goes to murder people. It's fucking weird. Anyway, what the movie's actually about is Hugh Jackman's this young up and coming doctor. He's about to go to NYU. He just got a job for it, but right now he's working in the hustle bustle New York ER doing crazy shit like that he's about to go to the neurology department got this big nice fluffy job but right now he's not sleeping he's working 90 hours a week he's fucking just drowning in crazy hardcore er type stuff and hugh jackman is running this company called triphase that we'll find out is taking homeless people and doing insane fucking tests on their bodies and killing them um, because he's obsessed with this, this spinal work that will regrow nerves, but he can't get the grants and shit. He needs to do it. So he's doing these tests on, on homeless people. He's capturing them. He's knocking them out or doing whatever, getting them in the right place. They wake up in the hospital. He tells them they're in the hospital, make sure they have no relatives. It's very hard targetish kind of the plot, just medical wise. And, um, He's basically killing them and taking out pieces of their spines and doing all sorts of crazy tests for good to do good, to save lives. But obviously, you know, the whole, uh, gotta, gotta break a few eggs to make an omelet in the, in, in the world of murdering homeless folks. Yeah. No one's going to care, Steve. They're hookers. Uh, (laughs) anyways, this guy comes into Hugh Grant one night and he's, just fucking acting psycho none of his labs make sense nothing makes sense about what what what's wrong with him he's got these weird scars he's got a silver hospital bracelet on he had escaped and he comes in there and he dies and hugh grant's character just can't seem to wrap his head around it he can't let it go so he starts asking questions and then the body disappears and then he notices like people's medical records are strange and then he starts to really get on the trail of something fucking weird is going on here and now when that happens it's really cool how the story unfolds. And I'm not surprised to see how Tony Gilroy wrote this now uh, that, that, that I'm talking about it because this is probably the best part of the movie is when he's asking these questions and he's digging deeper and deeper into what's going on deeper and deeper. As that guy in stir of echoes would say, bad shit starts to happen to his life. It feels kind of like enemy of the state when Will Smith, like when his credit card stopped working and they fucked up his, his, his marriage and all that kind of feels like that. They find like pharmaceutical cocaine in his room and like, so he loses his job. He loses all this shit and it's wild because he just, he won't give up. He needs to find out what happened and now he's lost everything. But Hugh Jackman's also Hugh Jackman. How many times have I already fucking said that Gene Hackman is also a very well-respected doctor in the community. And he's a big la-di-da motherfucker that's going on. And you know, all these characters that play these really neat roles. Again, David Morris is just one of the guys that, and basically you find out that Gene Hackman's using people whose kids have these, these diseases that he's trying to fix. And he's using, he has his own like cult of people who will do whatever they have to, to help him so that their kids and their loved ones, when he comes up with the miracle cure that he keeps promising them as he's killing homeless person after homeless person, they will be the first ones to get fixed. And he, they show him have these speeches where he's like, you know, they won't let me do the research. We don't have time. We can't wait to do trials on a duck. We got to do it on your dad and all that stuff. And that's what David Morse and Bill Nunn's characters are in this. Now, fuck, what is Bill Nunn in? You'll know his face when you see him. He's 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 got such a fucking wonderful face, man. He just looks like your uncle who gives a shit about you. He passed away in 2016, unfortunately. Um, 
he was in the Spider-Man movies as Joe Robertson. Maybe that's it, but fuck, I don't know. What is it I know this guy from, man? He was in He Got Game. Bulletproof. Money Train. Maybe Money Train's it. Canadian Bacon. Loaded Weapon. New Jack City. Mo Better Blues. Fuck, he was in a bunch of shit I saw. School Days. Anyways, you'll know Ben's Nun, Bill Nunn's face when you see it. Google it and tell me I'm wrong. I dare you. But, uh, yeah, this dude's life gets shitty and shittier, and then he ends up paying some homeless guys to show him what's going on, and he has to unfurl this whole plan to save everybody. But what ends up happening is he gets double-crossed by someone that was supposed to be helping him, and then he wakes up in Hugh Jackman's fucked-up hospital. And Hugh Jackman's like, I'm sorry, but you're paralyzed. And he's like, I just want to die. I want to die. He's like, you're paralyzed from the neck down. But then he finds out that he just had him on a fucking epidural drip, and he was making him think he was paralyzed. And then he escapes. And in a struggle with David Morris's character, Gene Hackman's character ends up getting his brains blown out. And then he basically fixes his whole life. You know, he goes back, he uncovers all the research and stuff. And then at the very end of the movie, Gene Hackman's wife comes up to him. She's like, he was a good man. He was on to some good things but he was just doing the wrong things to get him there. And she gives him all of his research. She's like, maybe you can make it happen. And then he, you know, like a scene in the social network runs back into the university building with all the research. And it's like, Hey, maybe he'll fix backs forever. And as we sit here now, we know that it never happened. So Hugh Grant fucking failed us. But yeah, uh, this one was, you know, it was fine. It was fine. It was it was good for. It's really cool to watch. It's like Michael Michael uh, Douglas in the game, when like his whole life is falling apart, or like I said, Will Smith and Enemy of the State, or movies like that. When you're watching someone's life get ripped apart, and you're wondering how they're going to handle it, what they're going to do, how they're, how they're going to overcome the system, ba- basically taking them down. That stuff's really interesting, but it just plotted along very, very, very much. You know, there was fucking twenty good goddamn minutes you could have sucked out of this film. They never really were able to like squeeze in the tension strong enough. J.K. Simmons shows shows up randomly as one of the fucking doctors doing the work in this, by the way. Um, but there's some good moments. Just it doesn't do anything great, you know. It's just kind of fucking here I am. These things are happening, and there's just all these side plots about like this homeless guy who's trying to get drugs all the time, and I don't know. Hugh Grant's character just seems like kind of a snotty little bitch <laughs> to me at times, and just nothing really comes to life it, it's all there and it's got some good writing to it but nothing just really comes to life in it i, I don't really know how to explain it it's kind of just meh i'm gonna give this one a six uh, barely it's a it's a solid enough movie i don't love it i'll probably never watch it again but it's got some interesting moments in it some interesting writing some interesting acting and again gene hackman just shows up and has these dialogue moments where he just says shit and he's just doing fancy gene hackman he's a good bad guy he's a good bad guy but it's just all right uh let us see what rotten tomatoes has to say about extreme measures mountain dew yeah nope there was a movie in 2018 called extreme measures all right we're done using the word measures in fucking movies okay it's getting goddamn confusing ah here we go 56% 56% rotten, 41% rotten audience score. So it's a little bit closer on that one. None of the movies were liked. None of the Measures movies, the, the Measures trilogy, none of them were liked by audiences or critics, it seems like. Uh, Mike Clark from USA Today says, is it excusable to kill a few indi- indigents? indigents here and they're experimenting for a miracle cure here and there, experimenting for a miracle cure. Measures painfully protracted hour two turns into a melodramatic debate about ethics i get that too i was really over though what should a doctor do i'm like i'm not a fucking doctor uh so i don't give a shit can we get back to the plot uh the movie written by tony gilroy is pitched at a higher level than most thrillers the dialogue is literate and intelligent and grant is more of an everyman than an action hero 
from Roger Ebert, who apparently judged this solely off of desperate measures with Michael Green. <laughs> yes, totally opposite reaction. And it sounds in this one like he's talking shit about that one, but this one came out first. So, yeah, he's he's less of an action guy, more of a drama guy. I'm not surprised there. Rob Nelson of Boston Phoenix says, The good liberal Michael Apted seems to think he's directing a film about society's exploitation of the homeless. In fact, the exploitation is all his. Yeah, they really do go too far into the whole, what about the homeless people thing? I'm not saying I don't care about the homeless people. I'm just saying, like, in this movie, it was like, Doctor, under the fucking, you know, being attacked by this crazy society. Like, let's stick to it. Um. Chuck O'Leary says a spine tingling suspense machine that holds you captivated from beginning to end. A much underrated, overlooked thriller. All right, you liked it a little bit too much. A nine out of 10, Chuck. Shut the fuck up, Chuck. Uh, someone else says it's a fish out of water story. It's not at all, in which neither the fish nor anybody else seems aware of his out of water status. Um, Charlie, I, I don't think you, you keep saying fish out of water. I don't think that means what you think it means. But yeah, so. You know, all in all, these were all like from five to six and a half for me, but I had a good time watching these movies. And again, it was such a weird fucking ride. Uh, All movies led by two male leads had measures in the title were about uh, centered around medical dramas, Uh, all weird 90s ish thrillers aside from extraordinary marriage measures, which was more of a, you know, buttercream gang type stuff. But what a weird ride that was, man. And I'm glad I took it. And I'm glad I took it with you. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. How long did this one go? I feel like I just ranted and ran- Man, we made it under a fucking hour and got three movies in there. Son of a titty slapper. Titty slap? I don't know what that means. Anyways, I do know I love doing this. I'm having a great time. I hope you guys are enjoying it. And um, yeah, man. Patrons, let me know in the comments what you thought about. If you guys have seen any of these movies, if you liked any of them, how weird do you think it is, you guys, that these three movies exist with all these similarities and yet have nothing to fucking do with each other? It's crazy town, Jim. But uh, and yeah, uh, if you guys would please review the podcast on wherever you listen to it at, really appreciate it. Shares are really appreciated too. Uh, this is a brand new thing that we're just adding to the the lore of the channel and it takes time you know three two to three movies and then just we just record it pretty much no editing or anything like that but um you know it takes time to do but it's so fun i really like to keep doing it and uh, eventually we'll start having guests on i think that'll be a good time we'll just see where this whole thing goes but i hope you guys are having having an awesome fucking pre-christmas week and um i hope everyone gets laid and i mean that love your fucking faces what weird shit are you guys watching this week please let me know what random ass stuff that is not popular. That's not trending on Netflix. Are you guys watching right now or have watched recently? I love your fucking faces. Let's watch more movies. God damn it. See you guys.